guys, welcome back to Skylines. I am your host, Sky Hume, and today I'm here with the band The Heavy Hours. Hey guys. Hey, what's up? All right, just so we can kind of put names to faces to voices, can I do a little introduction with you guys? Absolutely. I am Michael, and I am the singer in the band. I'm AJ, I play guitar. I'm John, I play bass. No drummer? And uh, he's in Nashville right we now. We do have one. We've only got one laptop. Just kidding. So his and name is Flint. And he's more handsome than the rest of us. So first thing I always ask our Skylines guests is, what is your song of the day? What song have you been listening to lately that you're just vibing with? For me, it's been, I've been listening to this song I feel for like two or three weeks straight and I haven't been able to stop listening to it. 17 Going Under by Sam Fender. He went huge with that song. Mm -hmm. that song it just cool. hits so well. Lyrics are great. I've, I've been listening lately. I don't like came out, I think, a few weeks ago, but Noah Khan, Northern Attitude, he just released like a few weeks ago. And I think it's a great song. For me, it's a bit of a weird one because I'm surprised that I've been listening to this song. And it's the uh, it's the first track off of Death Cab for Cutie's new album. And they're like all 45 years old now. Uh, but the song still rocks. Keep listening to it. So how do you guys know each other? Were you friends prior to being in the heavy hours? Too good of friends. We've known <laughs> each other too long uh, since high school, really. It's, uh, yeah, we were friends way before we were a band. What made you guys want to take that jump and make yourself a band? I think, you know, we were like graduating college and we were watching all of our friends, you know, get terrible, terrible jobs after their after their degrees. And, <laughs> and we decided that, uh, and we had been like practicing and playing music together just for fun, but uh, never took it that seriously. And then uh, watching, I think it was like watching all of our friends get terrible jobs. And I was like, well, we're gonna, let's try this thing just for, just to see if it goes anywhere. And we're still doing it five, six years later. Did you guys study anything music related in college or not at all? No, no. My parents led the worship band that I grew up in. My mom, she was a music minor and she's taught piano her whole life. But honestly, I kind of ignored all of that until I was like 18 and <laughs> Yeah, but none of us, none of us, yeah, went to went to school or anything for, for music. Did violin in grade school. <laughs> but he's been in bands like his whole life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, high school battled bands winner. I don't know, maybe me and John were just too uh, too shy to, to try to make the music thing as, as young men. Well, yeah, you for sure were too shy. <laughs> My father just sent me a text saying, what is good at Starbucks? Include this, include yeah, this. this in, and tell him to get the, what is it, the pink dragon or something? Who is the songwriter? Do you guys work on that together? Yeah, that's all three of us. We, uh, I'm not just saying this too, like all three of us pretty much write completely equally in the band, which has like, been something that's been really fun and really helpful for us as a band is that like, from the beginning, we've always kind of just had this mantra of like, no egos in the band, you know, like we're all, all coming together to try to make the best music. And if that means that one of us doesn't contribute as much as the other one on one song and then contributes more on another song, you know, so we just try to like equally contribute and you know write all the songs together which i think has been really really fun and helpful for writing the best music we can possibly make we're also we we're like in the bottom 33 percent of our of intelligence so we we actually need the three of us to come together to form a cohesive thought yeah you get three heads and then you got one whole brain cell when you combine yeah, it we're just kind of dumb we're dumb guys so we need to we need team 
teamwork. Do you have a, a specific way you go about writing? Do you do you handwrite? Do you type? Do you just sit down and brainstorm? Really crappy voice memos. Yeah, I feel like lyrics are usually <laughs> the last thing we write. Like we typically focus on melodies and progression you know arrangements pretty much have the song almost fully fleshed out before we start putting words to the song i mean we might have an idea of what we want the song to be about lyrics tend to come last though john's right the lyrics are usually the last thing to be fine-tuned because we want we kind of want the yeah the lyrics to kind of match the vibe and energy of the song so I think not a lot of people write their lyrics last, at least in my experience of people I encounter these days. So that's really cool to hear. Yeah, it's, that's been our experience too. I don't think I don't think I've yet to meet another songwriter who doesn't start with lyrics first. It'd be so hard to do it the other way around. Then. We do the, this thing we call it word salad. So if we're like developing a song and we're practicing it or whatever, figuring out how we want to arrange it, we're like we just stream of consciousness. Whatever lyrics, words yeah. are coming to your mind. And sometimes somebody will ask say a couple words or a line that kind of like is like cool yeah we'll stick with we'll stick with yeah. it um a producer would say that was divinely inspired <laughs> but yeah it kind of lets us it gives us the freedom to mess around with rhythms lyrically and how many words you want to fit into a space and it, i think we're the weird ones for sure you collaborate on all of the songwriting. How about your instrumentals? AJ, do you just like take a line and be like, hey, how does this sound? Yeah, it's funny. A lot of guitar lines are written by people sort of, you know, going, uh, and just trying to like figure it out. It's funny, I do feel like with everybody's part and everybody's instrument, there's always going to be a best part. And I feel like when we try to write a song and figure out what everybody's lines are gonna be, it is trying to like, feel like we're excavating some sort of dinosaur bone scene. We're trying to find the, the correct connection. Yeah, I feel like even even with like bass lines or the guitar parts or piano or whatever, I feel like everything still gets passed through the like, does it pass the unanimous, this is what's best for the song vibe. AJ or Mike might be <laughs> might be like, hey, like I feel like this song could use like a really cool, gritty Kings of Leon bass line or whatever. And we use, you know, other artists and other music as inspiration and kind of build the song. Do you guys have any favorite snacks or drinks that you bring to your music writing sessions? Oh yeah, the, man, we're a big snack and drink band. I feel like our our fridge and our band practice space always has like a thousand Coke Zeros in it for some reason. I don't know why, but that seems to be the drink of choice. Yeah. I'm trying to think of what else. We you know. Zero sugar drinks if you're gonna <laughs> drink something that would normally have a 50 gram. Yeah, I know we're big seltzer guys. Um, on the road to, yeah. When we're when we're snacking in the van, I'm trying to think of like what we get at gas stations. Twizzlers. Yeah, a AJ and John are big gummy, big gummy guys. Anything that's gum gummy bears, gummy worms, gummy fish, anything <laughs> that is gummy related, they're gonna be chowing down on. You um, like those gummy sharks? The gummy sharks are yes. the blue ones. Mm -hmm. Those are one of my favorites. Yeah, those I feel like because that's kind of like the gummy version of chewing tobacco. You can just like throw it in the back of your cheek and chew on it for like an hour. And maybe uh, maybe some corn nuts every once in a while. Oh God! Nuts will break your teeth. No, we're good. Flint, our drummer, some try to convince us we should start eating uh, boiled peanuts. Oh yeah, when we're in the south, and they're terrible. When you're playing live shows, do you find that your favorite songs 
of your own discography end up being the fan favorites or does it tend to be different? That's a good question. I think a little bit of both. I think like for the most part, like when we're writing a song, I think we can like feel the energy from that song in the practice space and be like, oh man, this is gonna really go well live. Like this is gonna connect live. And cause that's like, I think that's like almost the most important thing for us is like, at the end of the day, we wanna put on a really good live show. That's like the thing we're most, most passionate about, but there's always surprises. There's always like, you know, there's been tours before where like a song that we thought was just gonna be kind of like a middle of the, of the set, just kind of like, yeah, we're gonna play it and it's gonna be a song. You know, it turns out to be something that like people really connect with and there's also been times too where we've been like this song is going to be the coolest freaking song ever people are going to go crazy to it live <laughs> and, you know and then it just becomes another song yeah. but i think for the most part you know we're generally eight, eight out of ten times are pretty good at yeah but especially like, for live situations yeah it's not always easy to tell for recordings mm -hmm. but for for live shows i feel like yeah we're pretty accurate but like yeah like mike said there's definitely those like surprises every once in a while with yeah and i think that also I think if we're really, really excited about a song, we think it's gonna go over really, really well. Like I think the crowd can can sense like when when we're like really into a song, you know. I think they can kind of feed off that energy too from what we're putting off on stage. I think we're also very slow to give up on a song. So if there's a song that we are super pumped about that we think is gonna you know create this cool reaction or connection with the audience, and it doesn't, then we go back to the drawing book. We look at how we're arranging things. Make it louder. You know. Yeah, add cool, you know, add a sick guitar solo in it or, or whatever, you know. I feel like any new songs we write, we test in live shows for months and months before we finally get to like the arrangement that we're happy with. Do you, do you like that process? Do you think it works well? Yeah, I think so. Because mm -hmm. we always want to like, or it's always, no matter how excited or like whatever you're feeling about a song, it's always going to feel different live, no matter what. Like you can play it a thousand times in, our, in the practice space and be like so sure about something and then like the second you get up on stage and play it in front of even if it's just 10 people in the crowd it just like always feels different you know you just kind of like you experience the song in a different light so i think it is always a good idea to like at least try out like a song like that in front of a in front of a live audience how do you guys um determine your set list variety when you play live Ooh. that's a good question you all have our own philosophies yeah these guys are the are the set list uh gurus and it's it's usually is decided before a show and uh it's kind of like you know high energy songs, low energy songs, high energy, what kind of like journey can we take the crowd through? So it's it's just kind of like putting together a little story? Yeah, and I think generally we're, we, we can agree, we usually come to a, a good agreement without too many arguments. Where are each of you guys originally from? Are you all from the same place? Oh yeah, all from yeah. all from Cincinnati, including Flint. Yeah. The drummer. yeah, all four of us. Me and AJ and Flint all went to the the same high school, and John went to a high school just like ten minutes farther away. So yeah, but we've all known each other for for a long time. Where are you located right now? Still in Cincinnati. Yeah, Still in we, Cincinnati. Yeah, or three of us are in Cincinnati. Flint's down in Nashville, but yeah, we we like it here. You know, like all of our families here, and we've grown up here. And all four seasons. It's been great. We like it here a lot. Every time yeah. we like go out on the road, we seem to miss it and enjoy our time here. So 
we're gonna be here for at least the future for now. Yeah. I don't think we have any plans on leaving anytime soon. So we're gonna turn Cincy into New Nashville. Trying to be a young band and like break in Cincinnati was was difficult. It was there isn't much of a scene here. There isn't like much of a community, I would say. And like the small community that there is here in Cincinnati wasn't really like our style of music anyway. So we never really like, felt like a part of like a greater Cincinnati music family. But we've enjoyed being on the road. We love getting out on the van, just seeing the country and we like traveling like at this point it's funny like our brains have gotten so messed up from driving in the van and all the touring we've done the past two years that like like oh it's, yeah it's only 10 hours tomorrow it's not, it's not <laughs> that's not too bad i think it was like it used to be like oh man three or four hours in a drive was was a long time but now our our sense of scale and distance has gotten pretty warped. Denver's kind of our like second home. And so when you're making drives from Cincinnati to Denver, at least, you know, three or four times a year, yeah, you just kind of get used to long drives. Where um, have you guys played in Colorado? Oh man, we've had, we've played like a, a few house shows in Denver, which has been really, really fun. Actually, I didn't really realize how much fun house shows were until we started doing them. Doing in Frisco? Yeah, yeah, Frisco, which was like the most beautiful town in the whole, that was so awesome. That probably was our favorite like show and just like weekend we've ever had as a band we played ums oh yeah we played ums which was like this like street festival in downtown denver we played like a couple denver day of rock denver, denver day, day of rock so we played yeah a decent amount in denver and we did like this thing a few years ago kind of during the pandemic where we would went around and played a bunch of radio stations across the country and we played like two or three in and around denver and met some really cool people that way so that was really fun that was around the pandemic time you said yeah. yeah, 2020, I think. Was that one of the main things you guys started doing when the pandemic kind of diverted yeah. everyone's paths? Yeah, when, yeah, when the pan pandemic hit, we were, were pretty like, we had just released like our first song and we're trying to like promote it. And obviously there was no shows going on and you couldn't really like do much as a band. So our manager came up with the idea to like just get in the van and drive around and play like parking lot shows for, you know, like the few people that were at work at radio stations just to try to like, you know, meet new people and put some names to faces and just kind of promote the song and ended up being really, really, it was just fun to, like I said, people hadn't seen music, live music in so long. So it was fun to like show up in a parking lot, get people outside and kind of hang out and play some music. So it was fun. It was tough, but it was, it was something. It was better than nothing sitting at home. Yeah, we definitely got a lot of practice in them because we would play for like radio stations and venue promoters in whatever town we were driving in and maybe like one other person that was somehow in the industry and I think we feel like we averaged like three or four shows a day. I mean, there were short shows. There were like five or six songs so we'd pop up our PA and all of our gear, plug everything in and play five songs and drive to the next stop and do the same thing. So I think in the, in the three to four weeks that we did that, I feel like we ended up playing like 40 technical like performances in front of people. I guess this is a question you guys could answer individually, or maybe you have a group answer. Whose music careers do you really admire and kind of want to emulate in your own careers? That is a, a really good question. Yeah, I think we all are would probably have different answers. I don't know. Um, yeah, I think just the type of band we are and like what realistically like the future that we want to have. Uh, we look up to a lot of bands that like, you know, didn't exactly have that like radio smash hit right off of the beginning and like kind of like bust into the scene riding high. We I think we we admire the bands that kind of had to put in a lot of legwork and do a lot of touring and 
just hit the ground hard and kind of like go at it for many, many years before they saw like it all kind of pay off. I think like the fan bases you build that way are a lot stronger and last a lot longer, which I think is really special and cool. I think Nathaniel Rateliff and the Night Sweats is a band that I really admire just because like Nathaniel Rateliff, he had was just after it for so long and had like three solo records and then just tried so many different projects and then finally broke through with the Night Sweats. And like we went to his show at Red Rocks for the past couple summers because he's on our management company and just like the community and fan base that he's built it's just like pretty awesome to see where he gets plays three nights in a row at red rocks and sells it out it's just really cool to see the fan base uh is the, is the thing for me i think that like judging a band based off of their fan base is are their fans somebody that listens to a song for a week or are your fans somebody that follows your band for years? And I think that's kind of, I feel like we would all agree to that sort of goal. Kind of going off of that, um, for AJ and I guess for both of you, do you have a guitarist or bassist that you really admire? Yeah. Uh, I, I, I kind of dropped this earlier when I was answering one of your questions, but Jared Followell of Kings of Leon is probably my all time favorite bass player. I just love the melodies and the, the combination of, of what he does with rhythm and guitar. I just, I really love what he does. I love the bass player. His name's Logan. Um, he's the bass player for J. Roddy Walsh in the business that band I think earlier. As far as guitarists go, I would say that, you know, from way, way back, I really love Jim Croce. We love Jim Croce. We, mm -hmm. yeah, that's an album that gets played a lot in the van. And as far as today goes, I would say there's a guy, his name's Carl Bromel. He's the uh, lead guitarist for My Morning Jacket. I don't really have a, like a famous, I mean, I love, I really do love Jimi Hendrix, just like every other kid growing up. He's incredible. But, uh, you know, I don't have somebody that I go back to all the time. I should have mentioned John Paul Jones. What about um, what about Flint? Do you guys do you guys know if he has any specific uh, drummers? I'm so jealous because yeah. our first tour, he got to uh, we got to go on tour with one of his drumming heroes on one of our first tours. We toured with a funk band called Galactic, and their drummer is Stanton Moore, and he's you know world renowned. Yeah, world renowned. And Flint got to hang out with him, and it was uh, I think he was pretty tickled by that. What is the last thing that each of you Googled? <laughs> I, can, I can look it up. <laughs> yes, I'm going to look this up too. All right, let's I hope it's not something embarrassing. Oh, fingers crossed. Well, you can lie and I'll never know. That's a good point. Oh, this is so embarrassing. <laughs> so in my head, uh, last night, I thought to myself like, oh man, you know what would be a cool name for a song or an album or a band? Future Nostalgia. <laughs> and then I Googled it and I was like, oh, that's the hit Dua Lipa record. That's the name of the Dua Lipa record she just released. <laughs> and I felt so dumb. Yeah, maybe I just need to start listening to more Dua Lipa. Mine's embarrassing because it makes no sense. It's just I'm's dog food. Because <laughs> I was, I was in a, I was, I don't know how I was in an argument, but I was in an argument with my friend about what company owned I'm's. And he, <laughs> and we were both wrong. I think one of us said Eureka or something like that. And then, but it's Mars. Mars owns I'm's wow. dog food. Whoa. Mine's embarrassing too. I searched, are conjugal visits a real thing? In prison? Yeah, like in prison, like conjugal visits, like visits where like- Your wife can like visit you? Sex. Yeah. <laughs> because I was watching a show called Yellowstone and like that happens in an episode. I'm like, this is not a real thing. Like, I but love, apparently in four states, it's real. I love that John is concerned about the judicial system. And I love that Michael is concerned about monopolies in, <laughs> yeah. the, in the world. We'll ask Flint what his last Google search was and send it to you later. 
Do you guys have anything that you wish people would ask you? Do you guys want money? <laughs> you guys want fame and success? Do you guys want some food? <laughs> yeah, I think I want more people to ask us what my Chipotle order is and then surprise me with some lunch. Do you guys have any specific piece of advice you'd throw to people who are trying to break into the music industry but are struggling? I feel like Dave Grohl once got asked that question and he had a really great answer. Um, no a better answer than this it's just like if you're if you're creating music and you're in a band or whatever solo artist or whatever you just need to make music and it's going to be really shitty at first and then year goes by and you keep making music and it's a little less shitty and then like a couple years go by and it's okay a couple years go by and it's good and then you know you just got to stick with it it's just like yeah uh, but in, along the same lines the payoff for all your hard work may never be what you expect it to be <laughs> yeah and that did grow quote genius yeah, the David Wolf quote is, is good. I would also say, like, somebody once told me this, too, of, like, no matter what anyone tells you, like, you as the artist is always going to care about your music the most. And, like, so just, like, follow your gut no matter what people are telling you or promising you. At the end of the day, it's your music, and you're the one who's going to have the best feel for what is right. All right. Well, thank you for tuning into Skylines and thank you so much, The Heavy Hours, for joining us. This has been wonderful. I've enjoyed getting to speak with you guys. Dude, thank you for having us. Thank, thank you, Sky. Great. Thank you so much, Sky. <laughs>